welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 70 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, guys, have you downloaded my time-saving tips to end binge and stress eating course? This is a free course that I created for you. It's designed with tips that you can put into your life, no matter how busy it is, without taking more time out of your schedule. I think it's really awesome. And I've made two easy ways for you to get access to this course. One is that all you have to do is text the word time-saving tips, all one word, to 1-855-969-5300 and you will get a text asking for your email and then when you send that the course will end up in your email box. The other option is heading over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash time saving tips again all one word. I really encourage you to do it. I spent months building this course for you. I think it's some really good content. There's a really good workbook if you want to do more work that comes along with it. And if you're working on it, let me know how it's going. I'd like to hear feedback about what you think about the course and how it's working for you too. All right, today I am going to talk about self-sabotage and I'm going to teach you in this episode how to stop sabotaging your weight loss efforts. So if you find that you can go a certain way in your weight loss efforts and then you end up reverting to old habits and regaining the weight and can't really understand why you do that, then this episode is for you. But first, let's touch base on how everybody's doing. So in British Columbia, we're a couple weeks now into uh, significant self-isolation guidelines. Um, And last yesterday, I think it was, they became legally enforceable for us. Uh, So it's interesting times that we're living through. I've been working on bonus episodes of this podcast for people dealing with stresses related to COVID. So those episodes are specifically about COVID. Uh, If you want to access them, they are on iTunes and all the other platforms. If you hit subscribe to this podcast, then you will get those episodes uh, right when they come through. I think... um, they're really good. What I'm doing in those bonus episodes is I'm inviting other physician life coaches on so we can have kind of roundtable discussions about how our different approaches are helping clients through some of the stresses that they're seeing related to the COVID pandemic. Last weekend, I released the first bonus episode, which is an interview with myself, Dr. Sunny Smith, and Dr. Crystal Reve, uh, talking about how to manage fear and anxiety in the face of COVID. So make sure you check that out if that's something that you're dealing with. I know I found when I woke up this morning, I said to my husband, it's kind of like a little bit like Groundhog Day to me in that every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, right, this is happening. We aren't leaving the house. We can't go places. And it's, 
it's interesting in that I don't remember anything like having that effect on me for as long as I can remember, but where just over and over, I have to kind of remind myself what's happening and what's going on uh, when I first wake up. Uh, it's interesting times that we're living through. And I hope that all of you listening are safe and are keeping your distance to help keep others safe. And what better way to do that than through podcasting? All right, let's talk about self-sabotage. So what is self-sabotage? Self-sabotage is actions or thoughts that prevent you from achieving your goals and deepest desires. And the other ways to think about it is getting in your own way. Uh, Self-defeating behavior would be another term used for it. It's kind of like when you have those two different thoughts in your head. The voice saying, no, we're sticking to this. I really want to lose weight and I need to eat carefully. And the other voice saying, no, it's okay this time. We're just going to eat this food or we're going to snack tonight or whatever that second voice says. That little warring voice is an example of self-sabotage. And when I was planning this episode, I was thinking to myself, okay, does everybody self-sabotage? Because I think it is quite prevalent to some degree. I think some of us do this more than others. Um, And the one thing that I think we need to make sure we separate from is the there's self-sabotage where your brain is getting in your own way of reaching your goals. That's one thing. The other thing that could be interpreted as self-sabotage, but I don't really think it is, is when your brain offers food as the only outlet it can think of to comfort or relieve discomfort. So that brain behavior is just a natural learned behavior of food offers momentary comfort, but it's not always self-sabotaging. If you you know, have all the skills and you know how to feel feelings and you're working on your stress, but you still decide to eat the food, then that might be self-sabotaging behavior. But just emotional eating on its own isn't always self-sabotaging. It's sometimes just your brain's answer to a difficult situation. And the reason why I bring that up is I think right now, a lot of us are dealing with different stress levels. There's a multitude of ways that COVID is creating stress in our lives. So, you know, there's obvious the fear and the anxiety about what if we get it or what if somebody who we love or care about gets it, worrying about what's going to happen to the world, all those sorts of things cause stress. But then there's also the stresses of the changes in routine. I don't know about you guys, but my whole schedule and how everything looks when I work is all completely upside down, not to mention all the kids being home And so trying to keep them entertained, like there's so many different things that we're doing right now that we weren't doing four weeks ago. And so I do think it's important to give ourselves a little bit of compassion and a little bit of grace for how our brains decide to manage that. It won't always feel uncomfortable. Like I believe all this isolation and social distancing is going to be going on long enough that it will start to feel more normal, it'll feel familiar, all those things. And so some aspects of that stress will reduce. But if you're struggling, and if you're finding you're really stressed, and your brain's offering food as an answer, the answer is probably not looking at the food, it's looking at how can you better manage the stress and the anxiety. And that's where I think these bonus episodes that I've been working on will help you. So make sure you check them out. Now, I have a long history with self-sabotage, and I remember distinctly 
when I was really struggling with some of my uh, eating behaviors like fast food and stuff that I would be literally thinking this to myself, why do I keep sabotaging myself? Why do I keep doing this? Um, And I never really found an answer to that specifically. But I think probably that awareness that that's what I was doing helped me in this road that I went on and where get me to where I am. Because I think if I never realized that that behavior was sabotaging my bigger goals, I wouldn't have had the ability to just keep working on it and keep trying to figure it out and find the tools and the resources that ultimately worked for me to get that behavior settled and managed. So if you're sitting there thinking the same things I used to think, that like, why do I keep doing this? Why can't I figure this out? Why do I keep sabotaging myself? Fantastic. You've already taken the first step. So just, you know, acknowledge that that awareness, a lot of this stuff, awareness is really key. The fact that you're aware that those behaviors are sabotaging you will help you work on changing them in the future. All right, how do you know if you self-sabotage? How does it show up in your life? And I think one important thing is that self-sabotaging behaviors are not all about food. They are not all about weight. There are lots of different ways that we can self-sabotage ourselves and that some of them influence our weight and some of them may have less influence. But what I think the interesting thing is, especially if you are prone to emotional eating or stress eating, A lot of these different self-sabotaging behaviors that don't directly have weight uh, implications inadvertently impact your eating and weight because these self-sabotaging behaviors create stress because there's a dissonance between your, your true goals, what you really want for yourself and what your behavior is doing. And that on its own creates stress. And again, if your brain is used to looking to food as a way of alleviating stress and managing stress and coping and giving yourself some comfort, then those extra stresses are probably going to be driving some other eating. So even if you don't eat to self-sabotage, you could be eating as a result of the stress caused by other self-sabotage behaviors. And so it's worth looking at all of them in your life. So the different ways that we can self-sabotage is obviously eating off plan, eating foods that we know don't work for our bodies, eating foods that we know make us gain weight. Uh, If you have a medical condition like diabetes, eating foods that you know are bad for your diabetes, like really sugary stuff, all of that would be self-sabotaging behavior. Uh, Procrastination is a big form of self-sabotaging behavior. So knowing that you have to do certain actions to reach certain goals and not being able to get yourself to do them. And I see this a lot with clients that I work with is that procrastination on some bigger projects um, can result in stress overall that bleeds into other areas of your life that then ends up with feeling out of control with your eating. Number three would be drinking or other substance use. So knowing that drinking doesn't work well for you or it gets in your way of getting things accomplished, uh, but still doing it anyways would be a bit of self-sabotaging behavior. Um, and the other one is interpersonal conflict. So that would be where uh, you create fights or pick fights, uh, have arguments uh, in relationships 
that then end up getting in your way of pursuing goals within those relationships. Again, another place that that can cause a lot of stress that ultimately can end up with you eating more or eating off your plan as a method of coping with that stress. So let's talk about where self-sabotaging behavior comes from. Why is it there? Why do we do this as humans fairly commonly? The first thing would be fear of failure, and this is big. So if, and I think there's no better example of this than weight loss. So if you decide I want to weigh a certain weight and that feels like a big goal and it feels like you haven't been there for a very long time or maybe you've never been there, our brain immediately freaks out and immediately worries that we're not going to do it. And that fear of failure then can create behaviors that have you not meeting that goal. So for your brain, it is easier if you choose to fail ahead of time than if you risk really trying and ending up not meeting your goal. And I think in weight loss, this is such a huge, huge topic for almost everybody. Um, And part of that is just what we've been programmed through media and our society and diet culture. But as much as possible, what I encourage you to do is set a goal, let your brain freak out, but still work at getting that goal, but know that it doesn't have to be black and white. So I see this lots with clients where if we set a goal and we say, okay, I want to try and lose this weight, I'm going to try and do it in this time frame. As soon as they feel they're not quite making that schedule, it creates a lot of stress and then they fear that they're failing. And as physicians, I think the topic of failure is really big because we're not used to failing in general. And most of us really avoid it. We really do not want to fail. So if you setting a goal and you're working on your weight loss and then you feel like you're not measuring up, it's easier for your brain to just say, well, I can't do it then, so I won't do it. What I want you to do is if you set a goal, you're working on it and you feel you're not quite reaching it or your timeline's not working, then adjust the timeline. Problem solve. Use that curiosity we talk about so much to figure out why you're not making that timeline. And maybe the timeline just isn't the right timeline for your body because there are elements of weight loss we do not have control over. Or maybe it's something about what you're doing to lose weight that you just need to tweak or modify. There's so many different things, but as much as possible, try not to assign not making those goals as failure. The goals are meant to give you something to pull yourself towards. They are not ever meant to decide if you're worthy or not, or if you're succeeding or not, because the success, the succeeding, the learning, all the things that are super important don't happen when you reach that goal. They're happening while you're on your way to the goal. All this stuff that comes up that you have to work through on your way to the goal is the magic. Learning about it, learning about yourself and figuring it out is the magical stuff that makes the difference on if you reach your goal. And so if you let this form of self-sabotage get in your way that you're afraid you're not going to make it so you just don't try, you lose out on that opportunity of learning so much about yourself and building those skills that let you manage this long term. The second thing that can drive self-sabotage is a sense of self-worth. So often I see that 
with people who uh, come to me for help with their weight. When we've carried extra weight through our lives, we can internalize a lot of self-worth thoughts. And they are not true, but we can internalize a lot that feel very factual that mean because of our size, we are lower worth than others. And honestly, if there was one area that makes me really sad about what we do to ourselves, this would be one of them in that you are worthy and you are amazing regardless of whatever size you are. Your weight does not define that at all. And I understand that that can be hard. If you have these thoughts about yourself internalized, it can be hard to hear me say that and believe it. Your brain probably will come up with all sorts of reasons why it's not true for you. But if this is an area that you identify with, it's an area that's really worthwhile working on. You have the permission to believe anything you want about yourself. You do not need anybody else's permission to believe that you are worthy. And really, nobody's going to give it to you. Plus, I would like to point out, if you don't believe it, even if other people try to give you that permission, and I'm sure there's lots of you that have had this experience where people say, no, you're you're great, you're fine the way you are. If you don't actually believe it, if you don't do the work on your own thoughts and your own belief systems, you won't believe it when they try to give you that permission to think this about yourself. So the only person that can give you the permission to think that you are worthy and to think that your size doesn't matter and does not impact your worth as a person or make you any better or different as a parent or as a spouse or as a doctor, the only person that can give you that permission is yourself. Now that might take some work. These are often deeply held beliefs that are not going to change really quickly, but they can be changed. It's you just have to methodically think of it like weeding. These self-worth beliefs are like weeding where as you recognize that they're not serving you and you recognize you don't actually have to keep them, that it's an option whether you decide to keep them, then you can kind of start to notice where they are and pluck them out and weed them out. So it's like weeding a garden where you're like, oh, look, another one popped up. I make a joke about my garden because I do not weed. (laughs) The last couple of years, it's been really neglected. Uh, So there's a lot of weeds in my garden. So I think of these thoughts kind of like the thistles that I keep seeing and keep thinking I really should do something about. Speaking of the procrastination of uh, self-sabotage. Anyway, so self-worth is really important because if you don't feel you're worthy, or if you fear you might not be worthy, then why would you start? Why would you try to do things to make yourself feel better or to reach your own goals if you don't believe at the core that you're actually worthy to do that? And this too can show up in, you know, as females, um, often we are, you know, very focused on taking care of other people's needs. So you know, getting work done, looking after kids, looking after family members, all that other stuff. And so if we don't feel we're worthy, it impacts us in the way of not being able to take time for ourselves to do the activities that we need to do to reach our goals. So maybe not time to plan your own food, though you make your kids lunches, maybe time, not time to go out for exercise, uh, 
you know, maybe not time to do the journaling or the meditation or whatever else you feel you need for your self-care activities to help support you and keep you on track. So maybe a place to start if you struggle with this is just believe that you're worthy to do those things. Believe that you are worthy enough that you can take the time, even if it means maybe being slightly late for something else, to prepare yourself healthy food that nourishes your body. Maybe believing that you are worthy enough to go for a walk every day to move your body to make it feel good. Maybe believe that you're worthy enough to do journaling to make your mind feel better. You don't have to, with all these things, you don't have to change it all at once. You can change small things that feel manageable in the moment. And then over time, those build up and have additive effect and compound to where they have bigger results. The third thing are thoughts of lack of control. So if you feel that you are out of control, then it can result in your brain sabotaging you. And so I think one place where this can show up is, you know, the classic diet, right? Where somebody else, an external force tells you, you need to eat this. You need to restrict yourself in that way. To our brains, that means that we are out of control. Somebody else is enforcing our behavior and it will create, you know, essentially rebellion in our brain where we then end up going off the plan. And this makes sense. Like if anybody's worked with kids and teenagers, the best way to get them to not do what you want to do is to really forcefully enforce it. Their immediate response is, I don't want to do that, right? So if you're eating according to a diet plan or something externally, really work on your thoughts that this is your choice to follow this plan. It's not that you have to follow this diet. You don't have to do it exactly that way. You get to make the choices about how you do it. I personally don't give people diet plans. I personally work with clients to help find the way that they think it's going to work best for them to eat and the way that they think is going to work best for their body to eat um, so that we take away that feeling of lack of control. As much as possible in this journey, you want to feel that you're the one driving the bus. You are the one figuring this out for yourself. And that includes figuring out what works for you to eat. Nobody else in the world can tell you that. Not even, you know, the evidence-based stuff. It's all population-based. It cannot tell you as an individual what's going to work for your body to eat. I, as somebody with expertise in weight loss and emotional eating, can tell you my experience about what I think works well for people in general, but that doesn't always mean it's going to work perfectly for you. Um, So assume your own control by deciding, you know, what you are going to do and know that you're choosing to do that. It's not anybody making you. The fourth thing is imposter syndrome. So if you feel like you're a bit of a fraud, like you're waiting to be found out, then sometimes what happens is you will sabotage yourself to avoid being found out. Now, this is huge in medicine, right? All of us are most of us have some element of imposter syndrome. And the way I see it showing up for eating for clients is not always that the way you sabotage yourself is in work. So sometimes we do, right? Like if we have imposter syndrome, the way we might be sabotaging ourselves in work is not putting ourselves out there, not, you know, reaching for things that we want because we feel that people might find out that we shouldn't be here. I remember, I've talked about this, but I remember sitting in the huge lecture hall, like the first week of medical school, 
and kind of wondering when somebody's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, all right, time to go. And I remember, you know, as a new grad feeling that like in the emergency room, like wondering when the head of the department would be coming up to me to tell me it's been a big mistake and I should never have been there. (laughs) And, you know, it shows up in so many different ways. And so if you feel that sense that you shouldn't be there, that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, it can get in your way of pushing yourself forward and achieving the goals that you want. But the way I see it is because I think as physicians, we're very type A. And so we often do keep pushing ourselves to a certain point. But that creates stress because we're pushing ourselves, but feeling like we don't have the qualifications to do it. So then we end up eating to deal with that stress. That stress then drives the emotional eating is the way I see it often show up. So imposter syndrome, feeling that you're not quite good enough, feeling like you don't know enough, all those things really, honestly, I think is a bit of an, um, you know, universal issue in physicians. And the way I view it is it ends up creating a lot of wasted energy in us. So in general, as a group, we are very motivated, very intellectual people that care about others and when a good percentage of us on any given day feel like we're not quite doing a good enough job, it makes me feel sad for us as a community. And if only we could give up that, those thoughts, like that we're just not quite good enough by, you know, even a percentage, like, you know, if we could 25, spend 25% less time thinking that we're not quite good enough, imagine what we could do in the world. And this applies even if you're listening and you're not a physician, it applies to you too. Like if you feel that you are not quite good enough and that people um, are going to kind of catch you and show you to be a fraud or something like that, if we can just give up those thoughts, imagine what we could do in the world. So the fifth thing is that brains don't like change. Familiarity is comfort. And so when we decide to change things and reach for a goal, it's kind of like walking out onto a little bit of a, you know, ridge, a little bit of a point where your brain feels a little bit more uneasy, even if the things that are familiar are not serving you. So the, you know, classic, like for me, what used to be familiar was I would come home from work exhausted. I would order pizza because I was so exhausted. I couldn't think of eating. And this was before kids. And then we would eat pizza watching TV until I was exhausted and I went to bed. And that was what was familiar. And it was really hard to let that go when we started doing things that weren't familiar, when we started uh, cooking more meals and not ordering the pizza and doing things, even though I felt a little bit tired when I got home from work, it's uncomfortable at first. And again, your brain views that as, okay, the sitting in front of TV, eating pizza was comfortable and safe because I know I survived that. Your brain doesn't have the capacity to look at that and go, yeah, but it really wasn't serving me because I was gaining weight and, you know, building insulin resistance and generally feeling crummy. Your brain doesn't see that pieces. It just sees, you know, sitting in front of the TV, eating the pizza helped me survive. And then your brain's like doing these other things, you know, doing things in the evening, even though I feel a little bit tired, cooking when I feel tired, all that stuff is unknown, And it doesn't know that you probably are going to survive and you're probably going to thrive with that. At that point, your brain doesn't know that. And so it can create sabotaging behavior just to avoid the risk of changing. And the reality is when you're working on a long 
uh, weight loss journey and you have a significant amount of weight to lose, you do have to change a lot of things in your life. There's a lot of, you know, we always focus on, well, I have to change what I eat. But the reality is there's a lot of other stuff that you end up changing, like your um, general behaviors, your thought patterns, how you relate, what you do for recreation. There's so many things that change in order for you to have that weight loss journey that that's a lot of change for your brain. And so recognizing that sometimes your brain freaks out about change and sometimes you have to do some conscious thought work about change and reassuring your brain that it's all going to be fine. Nothing bad's going to happen with changing these behaviors, with changing what you're eating um, to get it through to the point where it can actually see evidence that you're doing fine with these new behaviors. All right, so let's just summarize the five places that self-sabotage can come from. So the first one was fear of failure. Second one was a sense of self-worth. The third one were thoughts of lack of control. The fourth one was imposter syndrome. And the fifth one was that our brains don't like change. So now what do you do? So if you've been listening to this and you've been thinking, oh, yeah, that might be me or yeah, no, I have that too. What do you do about it? So the first thing I think is really important is don't focus on the behavior itself. Focus on what's behind it. So we get really focused on what to eat and how much exercise we should do when we're trying to lose weight. But that's like the tip of the iceberg. So if all we're focusing on is don't eat the chips at night, we're missing out on the fear of failure that's actually driving us eating those chips at night. And so when we're focusing on eating the chips, we're using our willpower to not eat the chips. But if we can focus on the fear of failure and work through some of that and make ourselves understand that it's okay to reach and if we don't quite make it, totally fine too, we can keep figuring it out, then those cravings for the chips settle down and we don't need to rely on the willpower. So your brain will want to focus only on the food. It will want to beat yourself up about whatever you've eaten or whatever you might eat. Don't focus on that. Focus on what's driving those food cravings. Focus on the underlying issue. Number two is decide what you want or how you want to work on the root cause. So a lot of these root causes, if you kind of picked up the trend in what I was saying earlier, it comes down to our thoughts. It comes down to working on how we're thinking about certain situations so that we can modify our impressions. So things like fear of failure, things like self-worth, things of imposter syndrome, things of being out of control are all in our head. They're not other people uh, telling us or deciding things about us. These are created, they're stories created in our head. And the best way to deal with these stories and really solidify them and decide if they are what you want to think about yourself and whether they're serving you and then work on changing them is through thought work, which is through journaling. Now, I know a lot of people have great aversion to journaling. I've definitely did in my past life, but writing down what I'm thinking and really look at it from this perspective. So it's not just about just writing down everything that's wrong in your life. So you could totally could do that, but it's writing down and then it's looking at it from the perspective of that. These are thoughts and deciding do these thoughts serve me? Do I want to keep these thoughts? Or would I prefer to think something else? Would thinking something else serve me better? And then when you decide you'd like to think something else about yourself or about the situation, the keys are choosing a thought that feels believable 
and a thought that gives you a little bit better of an emotion. And like I've talked about in other episodes, it doesn't have to be that the new thought makes you feel super happy and super excited, though maybe it does sometimes. But sometimes it just makes you feel more neutral, closer to neutral than what the old thought did. And that's good too. That's a shift. And you just keep working on those shifts little by little by little until you get where you want to be. The third thing is that maintain compassion and commitment. So we all want to be perfect and that's okay. That's human. That's gotten us a long way in our life in general, but we don't have to be perfect. So the the flip side of perfectionism is that we can be really rough on ourselves if we perceive ourselves to not be perfect. Plus we can stop what we're trying to do if we perceive ourselves not being perfect. And that goes back to the fear of failure stuff. So approach this journey, approach this work on the self-sabotage with compassion that, you know, all this stuff is not anything, your brain's not doing anything wrong. Uh, It's just being a human brain and focus on commitment. So being compassionate with yourself, being curious, but also being committed that you're going to keep figuring it out. You're going to keep working on it no matter what happens, no matter how many times you fall down, no matter how many times you sabotage yourself. You're just going to learn from each of those times. You're going to build a knowledge base about yourself and about your brain and how it works so that you can have a better chance of not doing it the next time. And maybe that's going to take a lot of times for you to figure it out. And that's okay. It doesn't have to happen immediately. It doesn't have to happen the first time. And that's honestly the hardest piece, I think, of these journeys is building that tolerance of not always getting it right the first time, that tolerance of keeping hafting to come back to the drawing table and be like, okay, that didn't work today. What what happened? What wasn't working? And figuring it out. And that's that commitment piece of it. So compassion and commitment. So the three focus areas for stopping self-sabotage. Number one is don't focus on the behavior itself, but focus on what's behind it. If you focus only on the behavior, you're wasting willpower and willpower is a limited resource. Number two is decide how you want to work on the root cause. My recommendation is doing some form of journaling so it's really concrete and you can see what's going on. And number three is maintain compassion and commitment through this journey. You can do it. All right. Send me any thoughts or questions you have about this episode to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. I love hearing from you about how you're applying this in your own life. And if you are a physician and you're struggling with things like self-sabotaging, you find you just keep sabotaging yourself over and over again, then I can help. Uh, That's where my one-on-one coaching can come in and be really effective and efficient at getting these sorts of behaviors sorted out and under control for you. So with my coaching, you can go from feeling out of control with self-sabotaging behaviors to really understanding why those behaviors are there in your particular life and how you can best manage them without relying on the willpower so that you have confidence you can keep them managed for the rest of your life. If that is something that you feel would be helpful for you, then head over to my website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab, and book an introductory session with me. These are free sessions, no obligation. It gives us a chance just to chat about what you're struggling with and how I can help you get the results that you want. 
All right, we will talk to you later, guys. Thank you so much for joining me this week and stay safe out there. Have a great week.